We're going to start with one of the most controversial issues on David HaMelech, and that is David asking Hashem for atonement for the story with Bathsheba. And we're going to have a little bit of discussion on the story of Bathsheba as well and the atonement. Okay, this is a Gemara in Masech Shabbos, where the Gemara is actually, we're starting in the middle of a section of Gemara, which is explaining a Pasuk in Kehelis. Dover Acher, another explanation of this Pasuk. There was a whole lot of explanations given. The other ones have no relation to Dover HaMelech, so we're just going to do one explanation. Shlomoi HaMelech, King Solomon, says in the book of Kehelis, which is one of the three books that he wrote, Shlomoi wrote Shirashirim, Kehelis, and Mishli. So Shlomoi HaMelech says in Kehelis, Perek Dalet, V'shabeach ani es hamesim shekfar mesu. I praise the dead who already died. The meaning of this is, like Rabbi Yehuda, in the name of Rav, what does it mean that if we say this, we say this every day in Davening, this is from Tehillim 86, make for me a sign for good, and my enemies should see and they should be embarrassed. There were, David HaMelech unfortunately had many enemies. And from the day of the story of Bathsheba, uh, constantly these enemies kept bringing up the story with Bathsheba. And there were different interpretations of the story. And these enemies were making the worst possible interpretations. And so David says, make me a sign so that my enemies should see, they should acknowledge the sign and they'll be embarrassed for harassing me. Omar David Lifnea Kadish Borahu, David says before the Holy One, blessed be he, Ribainai Shalaila, Master of the World, Mikhail Li Al Aisai Ovin. Forgive me for that sin, which Rashi says is the sin of Bathsheba. Omar Lois, Hashem tells him, Mokhullah, you're forgiven. Yes. To say, and I think it's important that we do realize that the fact that David needs atonement means it wasn't, even though it wasn't the sin of Ish, which is, we're soon going to see at length why we must say that, but nevertheless, it was wrong. As we see that David fasted and David lost four children over this, and the fact that Afshalim rebelled against him was over this. So again, so Hashem says, you're forgiven. Omar loy, so Hashem says to David, give me a sign in my life. Very nice, you tell me that I'm forgiven, but my enemies don't buy it. My enemies say I'm terrible. Amar Lois, Hashem tells David, I am not going to publicize it during your life. And to the last day of his life, David HaMelech had enemies that were harassing him. We read Tanakh today and we see that every time there's a righteous king, we compare him to David. Every time there's an evil king, we say he's not, wasn't like David. So we always have David as the ideal righteous king. We also have the famous Gemara that says that David says, My heart is hollow within me. David has no Yetzirah. He killed this Yetzirah through fasting. That's all. And we know the whole Tehillim, which Hashem chose of David Amela. All wonderful. But that's all what we know. But in his lifetime, his enemies didn't acknowledge any of this stuff. And his enemies really harassed him over the story of Bathsheba. Omar Lois, Hashem tells him, During your lifetime, I'm not going to publicize it. And David is going to suffer over the harassment, over the story of Bathsheba to the last day. It's going to come in the days of your son Shlemi. I will publicize that you are totally forgiven. How did it, the publicity came that... David is totally forgiven. So the story is as follows. When Shlomo built the Beis HaMikdash, he wanted to bring the Orin in the Holy of Holies, the gates, Rashi says the gates of the Kedush Kadoshim stuck, they stuck to each other, and he was unable to open the gates. Omar Shlomo Esrim Barbarin Nonis. Shlomai said 24 rinnonis. What are rinnonis? Rinnonis are different types of prayer. 
Rashi says that you have prayer mentioned. When you look at the prayer of Shlomei HaMelech mentioned in Sefer Melachim, it's called Rina, Tfila, Tchina. All there's 24 expressions meaning prayer with Shlomei prayed with 24 different types of expressions. And they're all Ksuvim B'Tfilas Shlomei. If you look in the prayer of Shlomei recorded in Melachim and Divrei Hayamim, Ad Chofdala, there are 24 different verbs used for him davening to Hashem, which each one was a different approach in davening, a different tune, a different singing, a different whatever. Rina was related with singing, wasn't it? The word, I don't know for sure. I know that the word Rinona is usually singing, but I can't say for sure. I don't want to say as a definite thing, but usually we assume that Rina means singing. You could check a Hebrew dictionary for the word Rina. But uh, I'm not certain. In today's Hayom Yom, it usually means singing. Okay, in any case, I'm sure it usually means singing, but doesn't mean that here I can't tell you. And also the 24 different types of prayer, how many of them are musical, how many are not musical, I can't answer. I do know that there's 24 different verbs and nouns mentioned for davening in the prayer of Shlomo. Till 24. Hashem did not answer. Excuse me, run or not in the dictionary is singing and it's also joy. Singing but. and joy. So singing with joy. Good. Thank you. Okay. But here it's definitely prayer. I know that in a lot of shuls, when they have the Rosh Hashanah davening advertised, I know in my father's shul, they definitely had this tefillah to listen to the Rina and to the tefillah. But generally, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we have prayer, but we also have the Chazan singing. And generally, many people, if the chazan sings emotionally, then people are more inspired. Rabbi Groner Sr. Uh, was an amazing baltfila, and he sang the prayers ama amazingly, and he inspired many people with his an amazing davening and the way he sang it. The Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur especially, or Slichas. Anyway, in any case, uh, Shlomo tried these 24 different ways of inspiring people, and the gates were not opening. The gates, Pasach uh, Vamar, he began and he said, Gates, lift your heads, lift yourself, gates of the world, and may the glorious king enter. And as the glorious king Shlomo was referring to Hashem, he definitely did not mean himself. The problem is that Shlomo said this publicly. And even though Shlomo meant Hashem, people who heard him could easily think that Shlomo is talking about Melech HaKovi, the respectful king, talking about himself. The gates now started attacking him. They wanted to swallow him alive. Because even though Shlomo himself was innocent and didn't mean his own ego, but those who heard it definitely could understand it. As Rashi says, and the little words here are from Rashi, Sovri, they thought, the, the people thought that he was saying on himself, the honorable king, and therefore the gates wanted to destroy him. The gates said, suddenly they heard a voice from the gates. And we say this every Sunday, and we specifically say it on Rosh Hashanah night. Who is this glorious king? Omar Sashlaimi says, Hashem Izuz We're talking about Hashem, the strong God. Chazar Omar Shlaima tried another time. And now he's already identified that we're talking about Hashem. And he says again, Su Sharim Rashaychem. And again, we say this every Sunday twice. Usu lift yourselves, gates to the world, Again, the gate said, Me Shlaimus just told him, no, they didn't. They didn't get the message because somebody still can misunderstand. And they say, Hashem tzivakos hu melech He says, Hashem, all the glory is Hashem's. Nevertheless, nana, he wasn't being answered. Then Shlomo decided, we'll try another way. Kivan Sha'amar, when Shlomo said, Hashem alikim, al don't turn away the face of your anointed. Zachra lechaste David abdecha. Remember the kindness of my father David. As soon as Shlomo mentioned the merit of his father David, Miyad Nana immediately he was answered. 
So here we got a very strong message, which all David's enemies got loud and clear, that in whose merit is Hashem opening the gates? In the merit of David. We're soon going to see, so how do you know David is forgiven? Maybe David did a lot of mitzvahs, but who says he's forgiven? So we're soon going to see an amazing Ben Yehoyada as to how the fact that Shlomoy, it wasn't just anybody, but it was Shlomoy who mentioned David, and the gates opened, and this for sure proves, as we'll soon see why, that Hashem forgave him. At that time, there were enemies of David. David had strong enemies. My Mishpachas Shol, Ashi brings the family of Shol. There was Shimi ben Gera, who had when, during when David was running away from Afsholim, Shimi ben Gera cursed David, a klolon nimretzes, and the word nimretzes stands for, he called him noyef, adulterous, mem, nun mem, reish, tzadik, tzav. Shimi ben Gera called David noyef, adulterous, mayavi, you descend from mayav, reish, reitzayach, a murderer, uh, Tzayred, an enemy of the Jewish people, Toyeva, a disgusting person. And that's what Shimi ben Geda had referred to David as. Um, just to mention an amazing thing, that this Shimi ben Geda, who was David's arch enemy, turns out to be an ancestor of Mordechai. Amazing, because the Gemara in Megillah mentions this. David, by right, when Shimi ben Geda gave him this terrible curse, had every right to have Shimi ben Gera killed, and Avishai, David's nephew and one of his generals, on the spot offered to have Shimi ben Gera killed. David said, no, right now Hashem is punishing me. My own son stood up against me. It's not the time to do this. Hashem has given him the, the urge and the strength to curse me. If we have a festival of Purim, and the who are the heroes of the Purim festival? Mordechai and Esther. Both Mordechai and Esther are descendants of this Shimi ben Gera, David's arch enemy. And if David would have done what he had every right to kill Shimi ben Gera, the Purim story would never have happened because Mordechai and Esther wouldn't have been around. They did, their ancestor would be gone. And that's actually, it's mentioned that one of the reasons when we introduce Mordechai the first time, we refer to him as Ish Yehudi, a man from Yehuda, from which Shevet is Mordechai. Mordechai, in the end of the Pasuk, it says, Ish Yemini, he's a man from Binyamin. Why is Mordechai called Ish Yehudi? So one of the explanations given in the Gemara is that he was saved by an Ish Yehudi because David HaMelech is a descendant of Yehuda, and he chose not to kill Shimi ben Gera even though Shimi ben Gera deserved to be killed. And because of this, Mordechai and Esther came about. Anyway, the face of all David's enemies, including Shaul's family, Shimi ben Gera, and similar, which is another interesting observation. Shimi ben Gera, after the rebellion of Absalom was over, came with a thousand people to make peace with David. And he did make peace with David, and David accepted him. But at that point, even though Shimi ben Gera made peace with David and supported him militarily and uh, obeyed him as a king. But Shimi ben Gera still said that David is a guilty guy. So Shimi ben Gera was criticizing David over the story of Bathsheba till the last moment and after David died until the story of the gates. When the story of the gates of the Beis Hamikdash occurred, Shimi ben Gera's face went black. Like the bottom of a pot. The Yadu Kalaam Bechol Yisrael and the whole nation and all the Jewish people knew. Everybody now knew that Hashem had forgiven David for this sin. So, and when did Hashem let them know? Only after he died. And again, Shlaimai begs Hashem and tries 24 different ways of prayer and nothing worked. He mentions his father David's name once. And straight away the gates opened. Filayofa Omar Shlema isn't Shlema right when he says, that I praise the dead that already died, because all the living people couldn't get the gates open. We mentioned David who died, and straight away the gates fly open.
the Ben Yehoyada, who's one of the famous commentaries on the um, on the Agoda of the Gemara, we mentioned him many times. Ben Yehoyada is written by the same by a famous Sephardi author, the same author of the Kafachayim. Just to mention that the author of the Kafachayim claimed Ben Yehoyada, Ben Yehoyahu Ben Yehoyada was Shlomo's top right-hand man, the head of the Sanhedrin, the general of his army, the man who helped him build the base Hamikdash, and the and Benoy, and the Kafachayim claimed that he was a Gilgul of Benoyahu Ben Yehoyada, which is why he calls his Svarim Benoyahu and Ben Yehoyada. So in Ben Yehoyada he says, "Al kol Hashem David all the good that Hashem did to David." And the Gemara says. That Hashem forgave him for that sin. So this implies it was a sin. Now we have a major halakhic question. Was it just a sin of doing the wrong thing? Or was it a sin of Ashish? So he the Ben Yahyada says, Right now it was clear to everyone because many people were debating it. The truth is that Uriah had given a get, and, but people didn't believe it. And many people were claiming that she was an Aishas Ish. So he says, certainly it wasn't the sin of Aishas Ish. Chas God forbid. Ki Basheva The first thing is, Basheva had already had a divorce. Uriah had divorced her before going to war. Vigam Tovla, she also had gone to the mikveh, so she wasn't Nida. Also, now, the din is, even if somebody is divorced, you're not allowed to remarry a divorcee until three months after she could not possibly have been with her husband. However, the gamsman, because if you marry a woman within three months of when she was married to her previous spouse and a child is born, you don't know whose child it is. But here there was a zman hafchana. There were three months. Uriah had not been with Pasheva for over three months. As it's mefudish, it's clear in the Zayar Bereshus. So what was the main sin of Bathsheba? Not Ashish, not Nida, not Afghana. What was the main sin? So the main sin was Ahoya of Hashem. We speak about the sin of Bathsheba. Every night in Shema, before we go to sleep, we say, I'm not saying Mizrama David, Tilim 51, Nasan Anavi came and rebuked him for the story of Bathsheba. And David has a whole chapter 51 begging Hashem for forgiveness for the sin of Bathsheba. And David lost four children because of the sin. And Avshalim rebelled against him because of the sin. So what was the main sin of Bathsheba? So the Ben Yehoyada says the main sin was that it was a film of Hashem. It was a desecration of the name of Hashem. Even if technically it wasn't a sin, it looked really bad. King he did it secretly. If she's divorced, and if you feel that you have every right to marry her, why do it secretly? And the truth is, it's mentioned in Mefarshim that Bathsheba and Uriah did not get on, which is why they hadn't been together in three months. They were in any case talking about ending the marriage, which is why Uriah refused to go home. He didn't want to be with her. And also it's mentioned that Bathsheba was destined to marry David from the beginning of creation. It's also mentioned that, uh, and I mentioned this previously in the shir, that Mepharshim bring that uh, when David killed Goliath, when David first, David didn't have any weapons and he knocked Goliath down with one of his stones, knocked him to the ground. But David didn't have a weapon and Goliath was soon going to get up. And he wanted, David wanted to take Goliath's sword to kill Goliath, but he couldn't access it. And Uriah said, if I access it for you, will you arrange for me to marry a Jewish girl? Now, Uriah was a chiti, a convert from the seven nations. And there's a big halakha question if he was allowed to marry a Jewish girl. David being desperate to kill Goliath because the Jewish people were in danger. He promised him this. And Hashem, the, the Medrash brings that David says, that Hashem says to David, you're promising Jewish girls. It'll be the Jewish girl who's destined to be the mother of your kingdom, of your dynasty, who will end up marrying Uriah. So there was a terrible Hashem with the whole story. He took her secretly. And he gave her back secretly. 
ובזה חושבו המין העם שהאיסך חס וחלילה לאיש אז איש. Even though halakhically she wasn't a married woman, but people didn't believe it. And not just people today, people then didn't believe it. If David would have gone clearly and said, look, Bathsheba and Uri are not getting on, they're talking about divorce anyway, they haven't been together in three months, they've just given a divorce, let me go straight, clear, publicly, make a whole ceremony and I'm marrying Bathsheba. If David would have done that, it would not have been any sin. David and Bathsheba had every right to get married. Shetayda, and I'll prove it to you. If she was an ish, if she was a married woman, how can he remain married to her? The law is that if a married woman has adultery with someone, then later she's prohibited to her husband and prohibited to this other guy. So if it would have been an adulterous relationship, Bathsheba with David, then she wouldn't be allowed to marry David. And even when Uriah died, she's a sort of If you have an adulterous relationship, you're prohibited to that other man. Hashem specifically wanted to publicize it in the life of Shlomo. And who will publicize it? Shlomo. If there is a sin in the marriage, of David and Bathsheba, there's a major question. Is it right or wrong that David and Bathsheba remained married? The truth, it's brought in Mepharshim that Bathsheba herself, after she lost her first baby, she said to David, obviously Hashem doesn't want us to be married, we should separate. And he says, let's ask Nosan Anavi. And Nosan Anavi says, no, Hashem wants you should be married. And specifically, out of all the 18 wives of David, whose son is going to be the king who will build the base of Mikdash, Bathsheba's son. If there would be something wrong with the marriage of David and Bathsheba, how could it be that Shlomo, who was born from David and Bathsheba, if the relationship of David and Bathsheba, we're talking about the later relationship, after David marries her, if it's something wrong with it, then how could it possibly be that Shlomo will be a Sanegar Atta? How could Shlomo be a defendant? He's a defendant. How can Shlomo be a defendant, a Sanegar, a defendant, to, a defender, to mention the righteousness of his father? And he'd be answered. The whole relationship is negative. Actually, there's the, in the Enyaki, there's a commentary that brings that. Uh, the reason that Evyasar Hakayin was against Shlomo being king and supported Adoni Yohu is because he said the marriage of David and Bathsheba is no good, and the, that's not what Hashem wants, and there's no way the next king in the future of Malchus based David can be from such a marriage. So Hashem says, Nasan Anavi says Dafka such a marriage, but still, who knows if Nasan Anavi really said it, maybe it was under pressure. So when everybody saw thousands of people that the gates of the, of the Kedosh Kadashim wouldn't open. And when did they open? When Shlomo, Shlomo, Shlomo of all people, who was born from David and Bathsheba. And it's when Shlomo mentions the merit of David, this makes a public statement to everybody that Hashem is very for the marriage of David and Bathsheba. And Hashem wants the future of the Jewish people, the future of the Beis Hamikdash, the future of Moshiach. The Rambam brings Lahalacha that Moshiach must be a descendant of David Shlomo. Now, when you say Moshiach has to be a descendant of David and Shlomo, that means Moshiach must come from the marriage of David and Bathsheba. Anybody who's even from Malchus based David, but if he doesn't come from David's marriage to Bathsheba, he's not eligible for Moshiach. If there's something wrong, with the marriage of David and Bathsheba, why would we say that Moshiach has to come from that marriage? And Dafka, okay, you'll accept it, but that should be the top priority. No, that's what Hashem wants, because Hashem has totally forgiven David. Now back to the Gemara. This is the meaning of the Pesach. After the dedication of the Beis Hamikdash, they had seven-day celebration. The Hanukkah Beis Hamikdash was on the eighth day of Tishrei. And they had a seven-day celebration before Sukkot. Then they had another seven-day celebration 
on the seven days of Sukkot, and by Yom Hashmini on Shmini Atzeres, Shilach Es Ha'om, he sent the people, by Yevorcho Es HaMelech, and they blessed the king, by Yelcho Lohleim, and they went to their tent, Sveichim V'toyvein Leiv, everybody was joyous with a good heart, Al Kolatoyva Asherosa Hashem, L'David Avdoyu L'Yisrael Amoy, everybody was joyous over the good that Hashem did to David, and the good that Hashem did to the Jewish people. So what were people happy about? People were happy about what Hashem did to David, about the public statement that Hashem made that David was forgiven for the sin of Bathsheba. Meanwhile, we're going to go through the amazing how the Gemara translates this whole passage. Every single man who came home from the dedication of the Beis HaMikdosh, he came home, his wife was Tahira, and they were able to have relationships. Smechim, they were joyous. Why were they joyous? Shenehenu miziv hashchina. They had benefit from the ziv hashchina. Vetoyveinleiv, they felt good. Shenisabrun nishayseim shall call echad v'yechad. The wife of each one of them became pregnant. Each of the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who had been there, every single one of them came home and found his wife Tahira. Every single one of them, the wife became pregnant. Every single one of them, Yolda Zachar, had a boy. And I know that the Ben Yehoyada mentions that specifically a boy, because then they'll have the mitzvah of bris milah as well. And they were joyous. Actually, another thing that the Ben Yehoyada mentions, that generally in marriages, people are married for people have love and feeling for each other for a variety of reasons. It could be all sorts of attractions that are attracting husband and wife. So Ben Yehoyada brings that because they had the nen, they became spiritually refined. And because they became spiritually refined, they suddenly saw their marriage from a different perspective. They saw the marriage that the husband and wife have a connection to each other's neshama. And therefore, the relationships of the husbands and wives after coming home from the Chanukah's base Hamikdash was a much holier relationship. And it was because of this much holier relationship that every one of them merited the mitzvah of bris milah coming from this relationship. Now, the good that Hashem did to David, what did Hashem do for David? They were all joyous that Baruch Hashem, all these Jews, had this negative feeling, our king, our hero, David Shlomo, our hero comes from a messed up situation. But now, no, Hashem has made it public that no, David does not, is not messed up. Shlomo is not messed up. On the contrary, this is what Hashem wants. And everybody is joyous over what Hashem did to David. That Hashem forgave that sin. So it's not just David and, David and Shlomo who are happy that Hashem forgave. The mass of Jewish people, except for a few enemies, except for a few sworn enemies of David, like Shimi ben Gera, all the others are rejoicing over the fact that Hashem has forgiven David. Only He forgave them for the sin of Yom Kippur. The dedication of the Beis Hamikdash was on the 8th of Tishrei. There was a major question. They had a seven-day celebration, and the 8th, 9th, 10th of Tishrei is Yom Kippur. We celebrate, the celebration goes through Yom Kippur. Do we eat on Yom Kippur or not? And what happened then was they made a decision, the Rabbonim then made a decision that they should eat and drink on Yom Kippur. And the basis for the decision was that by the Chanukah HaMishkan, they had 12 days in the sea and brought Karbonis, including the seventh day, which was Shabbos, that the Nasi from Shevet Ephraim brought a carbon on Shabbos. So just like the Chanukah HaMishkan, was Doich Shabbos, Chanukah's Beis Hamikdash, was Doich Yom Kippur, and the celebration when you're eating and drinking, you have a much happier celebration than when you're fasting, and that's why they made this decision. They ate and drank by the dedication of the Beis Hamikdash. They celebrated the seven days from eight of Tishrei to fourteenth of Tishrei, and then the seven days of Sukkot. As we say in Gemara Mayat Kotan Daf Tes Omid Base. So now uh, the issue 
was about just a mefarshim here bring that the issue was the Jews felt bad. The question was, did they eat on Yom Kippur because they were celebrating over the Beis Hamikdash, or did they eat on Yom Kippur because it's more enjoyable to eat than to fast? Did they mean the celebration of the Beis Hamikdash, or were they meaning uh, their own stomach and their own enjoyment of food? And probably some Jews were then Mefarshim bring Ben Yoyada and others bring that some Jews were like this and some Jews were like this, and therefore they felt those Jews who knew that they ate Hashem Shemayim didn't. They were not concerned, but those Jews who knew that they enjoyed the food and they enjoy eating more than fasting, so they felt bad. Maybe they did the wrong thing. So that's why Hashem let them know that even those Jews who ate by the Hanukkah space Hamikdash, not with the best of motives, are all still forgiven on the issue of having eaten on Yom Kippur. Now, what Shlomo says, that the dog who's alive, now, however, there's another Pasuk where Shlomo says, on one hand, we say that David is greater than Shlomo. And Hashem is opening the gates of the Beis HaMikdash only in honor of David. Yet, at the end of the day, David is dead and Shlomo is alive. And not only Shlomo is greater than David, there's a certain point where a dog who's alive is better than the lion that's dead. What does that mean? And the Gemara here is going to bring a whole concept that who is able to fulfill Torah and mitzvahs? Only those who are alive. And we are going to see a halacha that there are things that you can do for a dog who's alive more than a tzaddik who died. As he brings my dixiv, there's a pasuk in Tehillim, it's Lamates, where David HaMelech says, Hashem kitsi. Tell me Hashem my end. Rashi brings Asidois a line. Tell me what's going to happen to me in the future. Then I have another request. David has three requests. Number one, I want to know what's in the future for me. Number two, I want to know how many years I'm going to live. Number three, I want to know which Rashi says, which day of the week, which day of the month, when I'm going to die. So Omar, David, now we're going to take, so there's three requests David has. Tell me what's in the future for me. How long I'm going to live. Which day I'm going to die. David says to Hashem, master of the world, tell me Hashem by end, what is the future for me. Amar Lois, Hashem says, to decree for me, nobody knows what the future has in store for him. Then David asks, tell me how many years I'm going to live. So he says, I have a decree, nobody knows how long he's going to live. Then he says, let me know on which day of the week I'm going to die. Hashem says, you want to know which day of the week I'm going to die? You're going to die? I'll tell you. Bishabbos, Thomas, you're going to die on Shabbos. David is not too excited. I'm going to die on Shabbos. It's very not good. Almost Bechad Bishabbos. I'd rather die on a Sunday. Friday is not a good day to die. Friday is a very busy day. Shabbos is not a good day to die. Shabbos, there's all sorts of problems when you die on Shabbos. Much better to die on Sunday and that we ought to have a proper Leviah. Actually, about Friday not being a good day, it's mentioned that Rabbi Anasi died on Friday. And there was an issue with the whole Hesped, and Hashem had to increase the day by many, many hours of Rabbi death, so that they should be able to have a proper Hesped, a proper funeral. So David says the best would be to die on Sunday. They can give me a decent funeral, a decent eulogy. Amr Allah Hashem says, no, if you got to die on Shabbos, I cannot increase it by one day. The, the kingdom of Shlomo has come, Bincha, your son. One kingdom cannot touch the other one, even a thread. That Shabbos, Shlema becomes the king. You have to die then. Then he says, almost better Shabbos. I'll die out of Shabbos. So Hashem says, no. One day in your courtyard, when David sits and studies Torah, and David, David's Torah, David studied more Torah than Shlomo and higher level of study of Torah. So the Torah that David studies 
is greater Hashem says, I prefer one day of study of Torah of David than a thousand carbonis of Shlomi. So basically, David's realizes he's got no choice. He's got to die on Shabbos. But he's trying to fight it. Every time Shabbos came, have a Yosef, a goddess, he would learn a whole day. And Rashi says, the angel of death should not come to him. The Torah protects from death. The day he was supposed to die, come Malachamovis, come the Malachamovis go. He's got to kill him. Come on, Mr. Malachamovis, it's time for David to die. He can't kill him. David doesn't stop learning. Then they have a posik pumimigirsa. He doesn't stop learning for a moment. Omar. So the Malachamovis, the angel of death, said, My evidently, what should I do to him? I got a job to kill him, but he won't die. Suddenly he got an idea, this Malachamovis, this angel of death. Havale Bustana Achaire Baisa. David, there was a garden behind his house. Asa Malachamovis, the angel of death, came. He started shaking, going up and shaking the trees. Rashi says, He was shaking the trees. There were weird noises coming from the trees. David went out for a second to see what is causing this weird noise in my backyard, front yard. He was going up a step. The step broke under him. Ishtik, he stopped learning for a moment, and that moment he stopped learning. Because even as he was walking outside, he was still learning. But as the step broke, he stopped for a second, and then he died. So now there was a halachic question. David died, and it's on Shabbos, and he's outside in the, in the backyard, and the sun is burning, sun is shining, sun shining on a dead body is not very good, it can cause it to smell. Shalach Shleimei Lebei Medrasha. Shleimei has two halachic questions. Abba Meis Umuto Bachama. My father died and he is in the sun. A second question. Uklovim Shalbeis Abba Reivim. The dogs of my father's house are hungry. Am I allowed to feed my father's dogs? They're not my dogs. Normally you can only feed your animals. But here my father can't feed him. So two questions. My father is in the sun and the dogs of my father are hungry. What should I do? Shalach they sent him for the dogs to eat. You can cut up some dead meat and put it for the dogs. You can feed the dogs, even though they're not yours. Fine. But as far as your father, that's much more complicated. Put a loaf of bread or a child and then carry him to be able to carry the loaf of bread or the child. An unusual halacha for a dog to eat, you're allowed to cut up some nevela. To save David HaMelech from the sun, we have to find a whole heter with a kikaritinik. So what do we see that Halacha prefers helping a living dog to David HaMelech who's dead? Isn't Shlemi right when he says this Pasuk? A dog who's alive is better than the lion that died. Isn't he right? As Rashi says, to help the dogs, he doesn't need to make any changes. He can carry an avela with no problem. It's no shail of muksa. And for the lion who's dead, for David Amel, who's like a lion, you're not allowed to carry unless you use a kikaritinik. So that's one explanation where we see that the dog gets preference before David Amel the died. Then Rashi brings Lishnachrin, another interpretation. David, Shleimei asked two halacha questions. Which was more concerned for Shleimei? That his father is in the sun or the dogs are hungry? Shleimei's first question is, my father, my father is in the sun. His body is going to get hurt. So how does, Hashem, how does Hashem, how do they answer him? That Abonim answer the question, that Abonim say, that Abonim in the basement shall answer the question, they said, first, let me give you the answer about the dog, and then I'll give you the answer about your father who's dead. Why? Because the dog is alive. Feeding a dog who's alive and hungry takes preference before giving honor to someone who died. So here we see that a living dog takes preference even before a tzaddik who passed away. Okay, we still have a few more minutes to 
And there's a, that's the end of this piece of Gemara. We're going to do now a Gemara in Yevamos, where he brings that an Amaini Umayavi, David, as we all know, is a descendant of Rus Hamayavil. His great grandmother was Rus, an Amaini and Mayavi. Somebody comes from Amin and Mayav, Asurin, the Surin Israelim. They are permanently prohibited. It's a Paskin Parshki. It's a Mayavi, Amaini, Umayavi, Mikhail Hashem. The women from Amin and Mayav are permissible. And on this, the Gemara says, how do you know this? How do you know that only the men are prohibited to marry, but the women are okay? And David's great-grandmother, Rus, being a woman, is okay. And therefore, David Amelath is okay. Where do we know this? The issue came out when Goliath was endangering the Jewish people for 40 days. And David, nobody, and David volunteered to fight Goliath. And Shaul and lent him his uh, armor. Anyway, Shaul sees David going towards the Plishti, and he's really impressed. And he, Omar Lavner, he says to General Lavner, who's also his nephew, who is this boy? And Avner says, by the word of the, by the life of the king, I don't know. Now, what's going on? Shoal doesn't know who David is. He didn't know him. Shoal had issues with depression and they needed a musician. And David was his musician. He hears David play music every day. So how can you not know who you, you never met him. He's your musician. He helps you with depression. How can he not know him? He says, he loved him. And he was a nice Caleb. He was his arm bearer. He's not asking who David is. He's asking who his father is. So the Gemara asks, he doesn't know who his father is? It says that Yishai, in the days of Shaul, was Zokin Baba Noshim. And the Gemara brings Nichnas Buchlasa, the Yatsa Buchlasa. He had Uchlasa Rashi, says, he's Sar Al Shishim Ribui. He's an officer over 600,000, which either it means that he taught Torah over 600,000 people, or he led wars of 600,000, or both. But either way, Yishai was one of the leading personalities of the Jewish people. So how can he not know who Yishai is? He knows David, it's a musician. He knows Yishai. Yishai is one of the leaders of the Jewish people. So what's your question here? So hachi kamar shol. This is what shol meant. I know that David is a son of Yishai. I know that Yishai is a descendant of Yehuda. The question is, from which of Tomar's two sons, Tomar and Yehuda, two sons, is Yishai coming from Peretz or from Zerah? Imi Peretz asi, imi Zerah asi. Imi Peretz asi, if he's coming from Peretz, he'll be a king, because it says, Hamelech Peretz Masli Derech, the king can break through to make a way, and you cannot protest. And Rashi says, Peretz, he can break through other people's fences to make a shorter way from his house to his orchard or to his vineyard. If he's from Zerah, he'll be very important. As we see that he sees signs of kingdom, but nevertheless, why we'll soon see why did he see signs of kingdom? We'll soon find out. But still, I'm sure he'll be a leader, but he won't be the king if he's from Zerah. My time, Omar So why does he want him to ask? Rashi says, My What did Shaul see? Shaul knew because he didn't kill Amalek, because he didn't wait the seven days, he knew that he was going to lose his kingdom. But he started wondering whether David is going to be the one that's taking over the kingdom. Dixiv, what did Shaul see that made him get jealous? It says, David didn't have armor. So Shaul gave him his armor and it fit him perfectly. Now it's very unusual because Shaul is an amazingly tall person. Shaul is way taller than average. David, who I caught him, David's a little guy. Shaul is taller than everybody else. David is very short. And the fact that Shaul's army fits David is an indication that David's going to be the king. So he says, you're asking him if he's suitably the king or not. Why don't you ask if he's allowed to marry in the Jewish people? He comes from Rus. So Avner, who's the general and also Shaul's uh, nephew, says that we have a posak Amaini. Belay Amaini is only the men from Amin. Mayavi belay Mayavis. So Doyeg Doyeg was one of the was one of the leaders of the Sanhedrin, but he was an arch enemy of David Hamelech. Actually, one of the reasons it's brought why Doyeg hated David was because David Doyeg was a big expert in Torah, and when Shmuel was looking to study the rules of the future Beis Hamikdash, 
he started it with David rather than with Doyeg. And that's why you have a Pasuk in Tehillim. Kikinas beis It is the jealousy over your base Hamikdosh that ate away at me. Doyeg became my enemy over the fact that Shmuel is planning to help me build the base Hamikdosh. So Doyeg asks, according to you, Mamzer say only Mamzer below Mamzeris, maybe only the men Mamzerim are prohibited. So Avner says Mamzer is Mumzor, which Rashi says anybody who has a marriage which is Zor, which is strange, which is wrong. And Mamzer, he comes from a wrong lineage. So Mamzer is because of an issue of, of an adulterous lineage. So there, there's no difference, men and women. So Doyek says, if so, let's say Mitzri Veloy Mitzris. So Avner says there is different because the Pasuk says it's because they didn't greet you with bread and water. Who usually comes when you went out of Mitzrayim? When the Jewish people were going out of Mitzrayim, the people of Amin and Mayav or our cousins, their descendants of late, they didn't come with bread and water to meet us. Who usually comes to meet with bread and water? Men, not women. Doyeg says they should have gone. Men should have come to meet the men and women to meet the women. Avner has nothing to say. Immediately, the king Hamelech says, the Melech, the Shoal Hamelech says, Shalatam Elam. Ask, who is this boy? Hasam Nar. Before he calls him Nar, here he calls him Elam. So Omar Leh, he says the word Elam is from the word Helam. This Concealment. He says, You forgot the halacha? Go ask in the Beis HaMedrash. So he went and asked in the Beis HaMedrash. Omar Lay, so Doyeg went and asked. And they said that the halacha is only in Amaini, not the women and not the men, not the women from Mayav. They asked all the Doyeg asked all these questions and nobody can answer. So Doyeg, who's a brilliant guy, wins the debate, and they want to disqualify David. Boy, they wanted to announce that David is possible. Miyad immediately, Amasa was a nephew of David. We mention him every Maitse Shabbos in the Yitzhah. Amasa was Ben Yishushmai, Yisra Yisraeli. Amasa's father was Yisra Yisraeli, Asherbo El Avi. Actually, interesting because this Yisra, in one Pasuk, he's called Yisra Yisraeli. In another Pasuk, he's called Yisra Yishmaeli. He, he married Abigail Basnokosh. Here he calls him Yisra Yisraeli. Elsewhere, he calls him Yisra Yishmaeli. So Rava says he was Jewish, but he stretched out his sword like a Yishmaeli, like an Arab. And he says, the halacha is Amasa. Now, Amasa is very concerned about this. And so is they. Yes, sir. Why are they so concerned? Because if David is disqualified because he comes from Rus, Amasa and Yesrai also come from Rus. So the, he stretched out his sword like a Yishmaeli. And he said, I am telling you the halacha is, I inquired when we got married, Yesrai Yishmaeli got married. And I inquired and they said, the prohibition is only on the men and not on the women. And if you don't listen to me, now this yes sir is originally, even though he was Jewish and a big Talmud Chacham and a very religious person, but he was by birth, he was by birth an Arab. There is another Medrash, Talmud Yerushalmi, that brings, he's called Yishmaeli because originally he was born a Yishmaeli, an Arab. And one time he came to Yishai's and he heard Yishai saying, any human being anywhere on earth, come and turn to Hashem and you'll be saved. And he asked, does that mean there's hope for me? And Yishai tells him yes. And he started learning Torah and he converted and eventually married Yishai's daughter. And he became a very big Talmud Chacham. But now when they suddenly want to disqualify him because he comes from, because Yishai's daughter comes from Rus. So Rava says he stretched out his sword like a Yishmaeli. And he says, I checked Allah. And the halacha is that the women from Mayav and Amin are permissible. And if you don't listen to me, I'm going to stab. He's a Yishmaeli. He's got his Arab weapons. And I'm going to stab on the spot. I have a Kabbalah from the Bezdin of Shmuel Aramasi that it's only the men that are prohibited and not the women. So the Gemara asks, how can you believe? Yes, and an Amasa, they are an Egeyah because if David is disqualified, they are also disqualified. Reb Abba Marav says that Talmud Chacham Paskin's halacha. If it's Achar Maisa, you can't believe him. So how could you believe him? Maybe he's saying it because he has a personal interest. 
So the Gemara says here is different because Shmuel and his Bezdin are still here. Yeah, and it's a milsadavidalagumi. You can easily ask Shmuel. In any case, there's a question. How come so the how come the women are permissible? So he says, because it says called Panima, the uh, respectful daughter of a king is inside and doesn't go out to give bread and water. And in the, the in Marova and Erasisrol, they bring a posit. Anyway, there's a Everybody agrees that it doesn't apply to the women, but some say because it's and only on from because the word and Mayavi. And the Shimon says because they didn't go meet you with bread and water. Just to finish this bit of Gemara, uh, David says it says a Pasak in Halil, you opened up the rains at timing. David says to Hashem, there are two Meisedes against me. On my lineage, there were two issues in my lineage. One was Rus, who was from Moev, and one was of one of my, one of Shlomi's wives is Nama HaMainis, and she's the ancestor of many of the kings of David. So you opened up these two Meisedes because you said that it doesn't apply to the women. So there's no Shiloh on Rus and there's no Shaila on Nama. Rova means a drosha. It says, You've done many amazing things, Hashem, and all your wonders and miracles are for me, are Eleno, from us. It doesn't say a lie, but for us. David had a grandson called Rechavam. When David died, Rechavam was one year old. So Rechavam was a baby less than one year old. And Yoishev Bechekeshel David, he was sitting in David's lap. David has his grandson, Shlomi, son Rechavam, in his lap. And he says, These two psukim are said about me and about you. Because I come from Rus and still I'm permissible. Because you come from Namo HaMainis. David's grandson, Rechavam, is a son of Namo HaMainis. And there's a special posik to permit him. Rava brings down. That there's a pasuk Oza Marti in a bossy Megillah Sefer David said, "I thought Atabasi. I thought this issue of my lineage came up right now, and I didn't know that Megillah Sefer Kasavalai. I didn't know that this issue has been written way back because it says by Lloyd's daughters it says Shnei Benoi Secha Hanimtzois. Take your two daughters that are found." And there's a pasuk in Tehillim, Matsasi David Avdi, Vishem and Kachi Meshachtiv, which Rashi explains that when I was anointed, I thought that Hashem just chose that I should be the king, even though I come from Amin and Moab. But now I realize that it was destined way back that the kingdom is specifically going to come from Light, that from Light and his daughters, which was an amazing relationship with Light with his daughters, and yet Hashem is the the most unusual place you wouldn't think. That that's where it's going to come. The Malchus based David and Hashem specifically wants that Malchus based David should be from this unusual relationship of lights and his daughters. And we still have to continue in the year next week and see why uh, Hashem wants that uh, David should have David and Moshiach should have such an unusual lineage, specifically in Masasi David Avdi. And we're going to deal with it a little bit next week.